Hi, welcome to the Cambridge Vineyard Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Cambridge Vineyard, visit us online at thevineyardchurch.ca. Good morning, everyone. Um, We're into a series called now uh, Absorbed into Jesus. And that whole thing is, is this following Jesus isn't just a faith. It's not a religion. It's not anything like that. We follow Jesus because when you look at and look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you come away going, gosh, I, you know what? I, I, it seems like Jesus has the answer for the world's ills right now and always has. And it has impacted us. We want to get that out there. But there's something key that there's the call. There's a call in the New Testament to... And and more I, I read, you know, the letters from the apostles there in the New Testament and even pay attention to Jesus' words. The more I come away with, there is this oneness that is that we should expect to have. That it's not just a matter of following a, a, a religion, so to speak. We're not doing that. We are actually following a person because we believe that person has words of life. And that, that, that the Jesus way will take us to the Father, that when we see Jesus, we see God. And so that's the whole thing of, our, um, of this series. It's a five-part series. Uh, so let me, let's jump in, because I'm, I'm cognizant of the time here. Um, as I get further into my journey towards August, which is into retirement, um, there's a lot of thoughts that, you know, just float through my mind uh, about what I'm going to be facing, what I'll be experiencing in that. And, uh, and one of the thoughts is, who will I be when I retire? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there's that, there, it's, just, it's just there, you know, there, there's that thing there. And it's that whole identity thing, and I get that. And, I, you know, I remember when I retired, or not retired, when I quit from my other career that I was in 22 years ago, um, you know, that was one thing, but I was laying down one thing, picking something else up. Here I'm putting down one thing, not picking anything else up. That's the glitch, right? It's like, hmm. The other thing that I realized that this week, it just came to mind was, you know, in order for the, the next person who steps in as leader, in order to help them get established, I'll be stepping out of here for, you know, three to four months just to allow them to, you know, get their leadership established in that. And that goes, well, that's, that's strange. Like, and the question that comes up to mind, so where am I going to belong? Right? So, and humanity, and when you think about humanity in the world, don't we all at times, isn't humanity always asking, where do I belong? Who am I? Those big questions, you know, wondering, wondering, you know. We ask those questions. And uh, so now here's the thing. So where we're going to head towards today is um, something that we may not see. Now, when you, you heard me talk about the overarching story of Scripture, because there's a natural tendency to zero in and look at the specifics, the details, and we sometimes can miss that overarching what's going on. What is God up to? What is God all about? We can miss that sometimes. I want you to see the forest today. 
And I want you to see one of the things that God is up to, this bigger picture. And I want to take us to the Gospels. There's an account that's recorded. It's short, it's small, but it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So you go, well, that that account is probably fairly important. It's probably fairly important. And uh, here's the context of it. Jesus, I think, is in a building, a house, or somewhere maybe in a synagogue. We don't know where he is. He's in some place, crowded. There's a lot of people there, and they're listening to his teachings. And then he's approached by some religious teachers and some Pharisees. And they only have one thing. (laughs) They're not even listening to what he's having to say. And they want one thing to know. They want to know, where do you get your authority from? Prove it. Do a miracle for us right now. Come on, right? And Jesus, being the astute teacher and rabbi that he is, um, he goes, only an evil generation would ask that question. I don't know what they thought about that. (laughs) So he expands on that. And then somebody on the outside is trying to get his attention and goes, "Ah, your mother and your brothers need to speak to you. (laughs) This interruption. Sort of like, you know, if he was here today, you know, he's like getting a text. And Jesus, again, astute because You'd be thinking, well, tell him I'll be with him later, (laughs) right? He takes that and flips it into, there's something he wants to say at this point. He's just able to flex real quickly. And he says this, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And and people would go, "Um, I think they are. And Jesus, it says this, and this is Matthew's gospel here. And this is what it says. It says, He points to his disciples and he says, look, these are my mother and brothers. And anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. In that statement, Jesus redefines family. There is something there that is profound and significant. And he does that because in the kingdom, you find belonging. That the good news that Jesus brings is about you're looking for a place to belong, for people to belong to. Come, follow, follow me. And there's this, Because in the kingdom, there is no caste system. There is no class. There's no marginalized. There's no outcast or anything like that. You listen to the parables of Jesus and it's anybody, everybody. There is no better or that. And it's just the reality. And Jesus redefines this whole thing. And what you notice in the Gospels is this, the language that is used all throughout the New Testament is that of family. Jesus says, when you pray to God, say this, our Father. 
not our CEO or our prime minister or anything like that, our father. It's this whole thing that we're invited into this family. It's profound, and yet it's beautiful. And the world, our world, we have categories. We have slots for people. We just do, you know. These people go here, these go here, these go there, these go there. Take a look at how we design our cities, right? You know, this over here, that's the richer area. This over here is the more blue-collar area. You know, <laughs> you know, people know Waterloo is white-collar. Cambridge is, what's, what's the phrase used? It's the poor cousin, right, of the region. And we, we do that. Not the kingdom. Not the kingdom. We use language like, you don't hear it as much now, but remember you used to hear, we are a tolerant people, a tolerant nation. And I remember when that word was being used, it's like, I remember hearing somebody say, is that a good thing that we tolerate people? I don't think I want to be tolerated. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, in the kingdom, there's this whole thing of acceptance, this whole invitation of this whole thing of come, come. You belong here. And I want to I address one area that pertains to this whole thing of belonging, the opposite of what exists in our culture today at an extreme level. And that is loneliness. Did you know that loneliness is a major mental and physical health concern? Like, seriously. It's a concern in the medical community. How widespread is it? They estimate right now that 20 to 34% of older people in China, Europe, Latin America, and North America combined are lonely. 20 to 34 percent, meaning if there's 100 people in a room, 20 to 34 of them would tell you they're lonely. That's significant. This got, that got exacerbated by the pandemic. That hugely impacted people. Now, now I heard things when we had to isolate and all that stuff, that if you're an introvert, that's great. No, I'm an introvert. I didn't, I need people. I don't care if you're introvert or extrovert or ambivert, whatever you are. You, you need people. You need people. We need each other. I could be wrong here in my language, but I, I think loneliness is at a pandemic level. It's, it's that serious. Um, did you know that England and Japan, in their government, they have people who are appointed as ministers of loneliness? They do. Like, seriously. For real. For real. They've, they've, ta- they've taken it that seriously. It shortens people's lives. Damages mental and physical health. The health concerns, the medical community and uh, the psychological community say that the health concerns are comparable to the risk factors with smoking. It's linked to high blood pressure, to cardiovascular disease, disability, cognitive decline, depression, etc., etc. 
Human beings need connection the same way that we can't survive without oxygen, food, water, sunlight. We need that. This whole thing of needing each other, of having that, is, is desperate in our, in our world. Who's affected by it? Majorly, the, the biggest category is older people. That right now in North America, the, the, the stats that come back... Uh, fairly, like, these are good papers, good studies that have been done. People over the age of 80, it's 40 to 50% would, would tell you, I'm lonely. 40 to 50%. Unmarried people experience loneliness more. People who, are, who, who deal with disabilities experience loneliness more. There's much loneliness in large cities, in the dense areas. Because you would think, well, there's lots of people. How can you be lonely? Mm. It's not a matter of just, it, it's the social connection that people need that they're not having. <laughs> that's, that's huge. So, so what I want you, as you're hearing all this stuff, I want you to keep in mind the good news that Jesus brings. And what he offers us. I want you to keep that in mind. Okay? Because it's, it's significant. Um, loneliness occurs when I can't find or I'm unable to find a place to belong. You know, in Community Connections, we use the story of the ugly duckling that flies around looking for a place. Where do I belong? Where do I belong? Can't find any place. Right? Can't find it. And there's people like that looking around, trying to find where can I land? Where can I belong? Where can I belong? Speaking of belonging, I, I mentioned this a few years ago, but the United Nations estimates there's approximately 15 million people in the world who are stateless. If you're not sure what that, what that means is people are stateless if no state considers them a citizen. So you, you hear about the refugee camps and stuff. Many of those people don't have a country to go to. There is no one who would accept them. They're not recognized. Now imagine that. We don't think about it. But I did, I, I took time to ponder, what would it be like if I, if I didn't have that? You know, it's nice to be able to, when I go on vacation, you know, if we go to another country, slap that Canada badge on, you know. But more than just slapping a Canada badge, as I slap something on that says I belong here. Imagine if you couldn't do that. You didn't have anything. Where do you belong? 15 million people. And since no state recognizes them, stateless persons are deprived of many of the basic human rights. There is actually a universal declaration of human rights. And in Article 15, subsection 1 of that, it says, everyone has the right to a nationality. Continues that no one shall be arbitrarily deprived of his or her nationality, nor denied the right to change his or her nationality. 
What's it saying is, in other words, everyone has a right to belong. Now, I th- I'm not a fan of rights. Let me explain. I don't read rights in Scripture. I don't read anything about that. What I read is that we actually have a responsibility as human beings. We, I have a responsibility to you and to you and to you. We have a responsibility to one another. People need to belong, right? And that's the good news that Jesus brings and what he calls us to. Even God knew this. We know the story of creation. Remember the one, one word that, that the Trinity used, the Godhead used? Remember this? And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. No kidding. And so I will make a helper who is just right for him. So why is this such a big deal? Why is this all such a big deal? Well, I want to talk about these human beings here, newborns. Babies are born very, we all know this, uber dependent on their parents, right? They're just, I'm here. (laughs) Make me happy, (laughs) right? They just are, they're here. But science knows that the first two years in a baby's life is pivotal for them. That, that determines everything else, the, other, the rest of the trajectory of their life. That's how critical it is, right? Now, I'm, I'm, this isn't me writing all of this. I borrowed from a study that I was reading here. That the brain development of newborns as well as their social, emotional, and cognitive development depend, depend on a loving bond and relationship with their parents. And the studies show that neglect, parental inconsistency, and a lack of love can lead to long-term mental health problems as well as to reduce overall potential and happiness. Wow. That is so critical. So critical. That is vitamins for young ones, right? For them to become what they're, what they're called to become, what they're, what they're supposed to become. That positive bond of love, that acceptance, that, that nurturing allows the child to fully become who they were meant to be. Because when I belong, my whole being develops, everything within me, everything within you develops. You grow in that, that's nurturing. That's like soil and water and fertilizer just causing you to, right? That's what we are for one another. That's what we're supposed to be for one another. By belonging, I become, I become. Jesus is on a mission. God is on a mission. The overarching story. Bring people, gather the people again. Want to nurture them. God wants to nurture us so that we become everything we were meant to be. And you see that with Jesus. You you read the gospels and you see story after story. Who does Jesus take, pay attention to? Here's that voice, someone calling out to him. My my favorite story, well, favorite, one of the ones I'm always drawn to, 
who I think suffered extreme loneliness, was that chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. And Jesus noticed him in a, in a tree, just wanting to be, longing to be noticed. Maybe Jesus will notice me. And Jesus, you know, and the whole story goes that Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to eat at your table. And the gospel say that salvation, or and Jesus says, salvation has come to this man today. It's beautiful, this belonging that Zacchaeus was brought in. And then you see, you see that Zacchaeus is like this, this, this withered plant, you know, and then all of a sudden blossoms. It's beautiful. It's the good news. It's so the good news. I love that picture. This all reminds me, I don't know if it was two years ago, three years ago. I forget, or maybe it was just a year ago. <laughs> Everything blurs after a while. I introduced the word to you from this, that African word, African culture, Ubuntu. Remember that? See, that African culture, I am because you are. It speaks of belonging and it speaks of becoming. When I showed the little video clip from Desmond Tutu, who was explaining that, he said, my humanity is bound up in yours. That what happens to you affects me. What, hap- what, what I do affects you. We are connected together. We become, I become better because I am with you. Become better. My human, who I am gets shaped by you. Now, if you doubt this, did you ever have your mother or your father say, Scott, I wish you wouldn't hang around with that boy. You get in all sorts of trouble. And you're shaped by that person. You're shaped. You're, you're hanging out with the wrong group or whatever. And you're shaped by them. And your parent calls you out on it. Like, no, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't hang out with that person. And now I've wondered, I wonder if parents said that to the kids I was hanging out with. <laughs> Son, <laughs> you shouldn't be hanging out with that Scott Rowe boy. <laughs> you get into a lot of trouble when you do. <laughs> Probably. But we shape each other. You see it with kids. Right? We know that. We got to be careful who you hang out with. (laughs) Right? Right? But on the flip side, you put a person in a positive group. And I think of, you know, kids and that who join sports teams and that under, under a good coach, someone who has good, strong character and teaching. And that has a positive impact on that child Be in, as they become, you know, a teenager and a young adult and that adult out, out in the world. It's positive. It's so good. Belonging leads to becoming. It does. We need to belong. We need each other. So the small groups isn't just to have a small group and a Bible study. I just need to be with my group. Because they help me as I walk through stuff. I can share with my, the home church I have. It's an online home church. We do Zoom every week. What a wonderful group it is because I'm able to share with them, hey, I'm struggling with this as I you know, get closer to retirement. And that. Can you, you guys pray for me? And they pray for me. 
right? They help me, you know, they, and when we journey through scripture, you know, you think you have an understanding of it. And then somebody brings another perspective I haven't even seen before. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Where'd that come from? I thought I knew it all. Apparently I don't, <laughs> right? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But belonging leads to becoming. And so when Jesus says to us, follow me, in those two words, in those two words, Jesus is inviting us into a place of belonging so that we can become. Jesus is all about, it's like Jesus sees this flower, this potential in every human being, wants to bring it out. He says, come, come. I entitled this teaching, My Identity is Found in You. I don't know how long ago, but I remember the first time, you know, someone introduced me to a little sheet of paper that had your identity in Christ. And, you know, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this. And, you know, to pray through it. And it was good. It was good. But there's still, there was something missing in that. And there's something missing in that. It's not enough that I can just read something like that, pray it. And that'll fill every, every, all my needs. Jesus has wired us. We're wired. Like, so it's like you can't, when you're wired for something, it's like you just are. <laughs> We're wired for social interaction. We're wired to be together. I believe we're, we have all have different gifts and nobody has all the gifts, you know, because in order to get from point A to point B, we all got to pull our, our gifts and our talents, all that stuff together. And together, we'll get there. But it's all the broken stuff that gets in the way, right? That cripples us, cripples us right? You know, so, and that's a huge list of stuff that gets in the way of that. We need each other. We're wired for that. And so when I, t- when I entitle this, my identity is found in you, capital Y-O-U, Jesus, yes, it is. Yes, I will find my identity. Jesus will bring that out. But Jesus has also wired it that I'll get my identity also from you. That you'll help me with that. We are given the Holy Spirit for a reason. We have the Holy Spirit within us for a reason. We need each other. And we can be Jesus to the other. That's the whole thing. That's the whole point. We can do that for one another. And we do. Let me tell you something. You know, so we talk about urban hope and, and the, was it last week? We read the stats, how many meals, how many laundries, how many showers, how many this, how many that. That's a side note. You know what the main note is? People find a place where they can come. They know they, they belong. And there's a potential there for them to become. For them to become. They're noticed, they're seen. The folks down there, they look people in the eye, know them by name. That's huge. That's huge. The food is, is just a side issue. The clothing and the shower, that's a side issue. The important thing they do is they find a place to belong. That's it. You know, that's it. Know this, and we're wrapping up right now. People go to a church to check it out. I know people go to visit if they're in town and stuff like that. But when people go to our church to check it out, 
They're not so much looking for if you have cool music or the best comfortable seats or best coffee bar or you name it, you know? You know what people are really looking for? Is this a place, is this a people that I'll be known by, loved, and accepted? Can I belong here? That's what they're looking for, really. That's what they're, like, seriously. So, real quick, short story. When April and I moved to Ignace, we looked for a church. The one we went to, a little Baptist church in the basement of a motel. (sighs) We wrote it off. One Sunday, done. No other churches in town. We didn't go. That's another story. When God shook my cage and, and what's that? Rattled my chain and I got back real, I got real again. The question was, where do I go for church? And the Lord said, you're going to go to that church you don't like. <laughs> and it's like we, like we had like, what, seven people, eight people. It was like, seriously, we're going to go there. Music wasn't good. <laughs> the environment, like it wasn't, the room wasn't anything to, it had its odor. <laughs> and and uh, preaching was okay. And, but you know what, where they excelled? They loved us. They really did. They probably shaped us more than most most other places, except here. <laughs> but they played a pivotal role in our formation. Did we agree with everything that they, their posture and their stance on stuff? No, not everything. But they didn't agree with me on everything either. You know, it was, it was mutual. But boy, they loved on us. They cared for us. And they formed us. They shaped us. They shaped us. Might not have learned a lot about well, we did. We you know, might have learned a lot, whole lot about Scripture, but what we did learn is how to love people. We did learn that. And I'm looking forward to some unknown time in the f- some unknown future, in the infinite future, when we will be with thousands and millions of angels, so it says in Revelation, and with all people of all nationalities and all languages, and we'll be gathered around listening to what is said from the throne which is this, that God himself will be with them. I hear the belonging, hear what's pivotal at the end when it's all said and done. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. That is a place of belonging. 
That is what Jesus is up to. That's what God is up to in our world. He sees our loneliness. He sees the separation. He sees how we we have a hard time getting along. But God has a vision, is on a mission to unite and bring people in so that everyone knows that they belong. And I, I think perhaps one of the things we as people on that day will shout to God is Ubuntu. I am because you are. That it's God that unites us and God that gives us meaning, gives us purpose. And we find ourselves in, we're going to, so that's why we're going to throw all our, all, everything will be given to Jesus, right? Everyone to the lamb, on the th- everything, everything. Because we find all of our life, all of our being, all of our meaning in him, in him, in him alone. And all of creation, everything, everything, everything. Amen. Let's just take some time and give our worship to him.